The following is a message by Dr. James Renahan from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Let's pray. O Lord, bless us now as we worship you and as we hear your word preached. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I'd like to speak to you today from Hebrews chapter 12 and focus our attention on verses 5 and 6. But in order to catch something of the context, I'd like you to turn back to chapter 10 with me. I'll read verses 32 through 39 of chapter 10, and then skip over to the end of chapter 11, and then read 12, 1 through 17. The Word of God, Hebrews 10, 32. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And you're very familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, with great respect for it, but with a lack of time, we skip down to verse 39 of Hebrews 11. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, in our text. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. 
but later it yields the practical fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many are defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. May God's blessing be on this reading from his holy word. One of the greatest obstacles to success in any athletic activity is fatigue. Whether it is the problem of endurance experienced by a runner or a cyclist traveling a long distance, or the challenges a team faces over a long season, weariness may become a serious hindrance. The good beginning cannot be sustained, and usually failure is the result. Someone else, perhaps with better conditioning, bursts past and takes the trophy. Fatigue may cause many problems. We're all aware of the dangers of driving without proper rest. Judgment is impaired, reaction time is slowed, and frequently the result is an accident. Physicians who work long hours have misread lab reports and thus have made crucially bad decisions about the treatment of their patients. Students who don't rest lose their ability to recall what they've studied. My notes say a word to the wise is sufficient. <clears throat> Fatigue affects, though, not just the body, but the mind as well. When your muscles ache and your lungs pant for air, your mind struggles to reason clearly. And one of the common effects of this is forgetfulness. Not that you can't remember, but rather that in some cases you don't remember. You don't keep clear in your mind important information that will help you. And as a result, you suffer. And this was exactly the problem with the Hebrew Christians. As a result of weariness, they had forgotten. And this placed them in a dangerous position. Now, the context of chapter 12 goes all the way back to 1019. I wish that we had the time to read it. We've read a few verses from the end of chapter 10, which help us to remember that in the early days of their Christian walk, they did well. The writer tells them to bring this to mind. They endured a great deal of affliction. They walked by faith. This is followed in the context by chapter 11. It's not a hall of fame, but it's a description of the life of every believer. For this writer, the Old Testament is a record of believers who faced trials and difficulties, but who overcame them by means of trust in God. They ran the race well, they endured, and they witness or testify to us that we too, by faith, may reach the goal. We come to 12.1. That's the cloud of witnesses who testify to us. At this point, the writer tells the Hebrew Christians that they ought to consider also Jesus. He too endured. He did not become weary and discouraged 
and so neither should they. His endurance was greater than theirs, and so he exhorts them to press on. Do you see the theme here? They were facing real troubles, and they were fatigued. In fact, it continues all the way through uh, the, the, the latter part of the text that we've read here in chapter 12. Notice verses 12 and 13. It's a description of someone who is weary. It's a picture of someone at the end of long activity with drooping hands and weak knees and lame legs. And in the midst of this, we meet our text. One result of their weariness is that they had forgotten. I wonder, had years of difficulty driven an important truth out of their minds? Think with me for a moment. I want you to picture this. What is the posture of an exhausted runner trying to keep going? What does that individual look like? I can picture it. Head down. Body bent forward to promote motion. Probably hands are lowered. Shoulders are drooping. If you could see the eyes, they would be glazed over. And what does that individual in the midst of that race think? Probably something like this. This hurts. I want to rest. Why do I do this? Is it worth it? Shall I give up? This hurts. If I stop, it will be better. I want relief. This hurts. Can you picture that man? Step after step, and this is in his mind as he moves forward and tries to go. He focuses on the next step, and the next step, and the next step. And the desire for relief grows. And oftentimes, the greater goal is forgotten. Well, the Hebrews were tired, and their lives were like weary runners. They were asking themselves the question, should I keep going? Why is trouble happening? Is it really worth the pain that we are enduring? And the writer to the Hebrews says they had forgotten. If they had remembered, they would have been helped. But they had forgotten. And we might ask the question, what is it that caused their forgetfulness? Well, there's at least three things that we can recognize that caused their forgetfulness. The first is multiple trials. We've read the context. They're already in our mind. We don't know exactly what they were, but they were real, and they lasted for a long period of time. All that you have to do is pick out the verbs that the writer uses here. Words like endure, and struggle, and suffer, and reproach, and tribulation. In fact, there's a whole lot of these terms scattered through the context all the way back deep into chapter 10. They faced an abundance of difficult circumstances, one after another. Another cause for their forgiveness may have been misplaced priorities. If we had the time to look back into chapter 10, we would notice how the writer to the Hebrews points this out to them. In 1025, familiar words to us that they had neglected or they were told not to neglect the assembling of themselves together. The church the place where faith and assurance are presented to them week after week. Verse 22, he uses the language of drawing near, the language of worship, Old Testament Levitical language, to come into the presence of God. The church is the place where the faithfulness of God is evident week after week. 
The church is the place where we confess our faith and where God promises to meet with us. It's the place where we come to help each other, to consider one another, how to to provoke love and good deeds. And it may be that by failing to assemble, by letting other things occupy their time when they ought to have been with their brothers and sisters in church, they brought forgetfulness upon themselves because they didn't have the regular reminders of God and his grace and of the reasons to endure or persevere. But in verse 5 of chapter 12, we have a third reason, a third cause for their forgetfulness, the mistaken neglect of Scripture. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he received. This is a quotation from Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. Now, you know, that's not the most obvious set of verses from Proverbs chapter 3. Most of us, probably early on in our Christian days, memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's the star of uh, Proverbs chapter 3, isn't it? Many people use that as the, the text for their life. I'll trust in the Lord. And it eclipses by its brightness these words that come a few verses later. But the writer to the Hebrews doesn't turn to 5 and 6. He turns to 11 and 12 of Proverbs chapter 3. And he treats these words in verses 11 and 12 as if they are words spoken directly to each of these Hebrew Christians. This is a scripture that they would have heard read to them in the church. And he expected that they would have remembered it and applied it, but they didn't. And if they had, they would have been helped because their experiences fit the pattern of true children, not those who were illegitimate. The point is, God sends chastisement on his sons because he loves them, because he knows what they need, because it is for their benefit. And though their enemies may have intended evil, the Lord intended it for good. Now, what does this text say to us about a cure for forgetfulness? That's the reality of their lives. They faced trouble and they had forgotten. What's the cure? Well, the cure is obvious, isn't it? It's remember God's word. That's what the writer says. We, if we had the time, we could open this up and say it's remember God's word both generally and specifically. It's a word that's given for our good. It's a word that is addressed to us. Romans 15.4, Paul says that one purpose for the giving of the Old Testament was for our benefit. Do you remember what he wrote? Whatever was written before was for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That's the point exactly. God gave us his word to aid us. The Hebrew Christians simply forgot Their outlook on their circumstances would have been very different had they remembered God's word. Do you remember it? Do you interpret your life and your experience by scripture? Do you remember that it is addressed to you? Do you make hearing it a priority? That's God's intention for you. 
Even obscure passages are important. Oh, I hope that you do memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But you need to think about Proverbs 3, 11, and 12 as well. There's something else in our text that is a cure for forgetfulness. Just before he wrote these words in 5 and 6, he tells them to remember God's Son. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This is vital. In Jesus Christ, we have a Savior who has done everything we cannot do or that we neglect to do. And he did not forget. This word could not be written of him. He remembered everything, even in the midst of the greatest and darkest trial. And so the writer calls us, he reminds us to look to him for strength and for help and for instruction. But there's one more thing that we need to note in this text. There's a third cure that is here, and it's the gospel promise contained in the words that we have read. Remember God's love. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he had received. You see, if they had remembered this word, they would have considered their events as a demonstration of God's fatherly love for them. He did not forget them. He remembered them. And in remembering them, he showed them his love by sending difficulties into their lives. They ought to have taken courage from this. They ought to have been strengthened and helped. Here are tokens of God's fatherly love for us. Let us persevere for his glory. He did send trials upon them, but they were the evidence of his kindness. When we remember, we are encouraged. A little bit later on in the book, 13.5, the writer says this, Be content with what you have, for the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is his promise. In the midst of whatever difficulty they faced, He would not leave them. He would not forsake them. They were to remember God's word, remember God's son, remember God's love. It's easy to grow weary, and it's easy to forget. But we must remember God's word as it is preached to us. We must remember God's son who has given himself for us. And we must remember God's love, which is always with us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Copyright 2010, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.